This is a really special solo cast with my brother, fellow podcaster, and the founder of Runga. His name is Joseph Anu. Joseph went through an incredible change this year, 2022, where he actually got rid of his last name and replaced it with something anew. Joseph Anu, to be clear. I love Joseph so much. He is a man here in Austin who really walks his talk. This is a special rebroadcast of Joseph and I on his podcast, The Intuitive Warrior, that I absolutely had to share with you. We're going to talk about the ins and outs of fatherhood, and it's pretty rare that somebody makes me cry on a podcast, but that is exactly what Joseph did. If you're a mother or a father, or if you're doing healing work on the child inside of you, if you are in the process of learning how to reparent the little girl or the little boy inside of your heart, inside of your body. This is a perfect podcast for you. Make sure you go over and follow Joseph's podcast, The Intuitive Warrior. And also this episode is brought to you by our store page, joshtrent.com forward slash store. You can get literally anything you need. And I really mean that anything and everything you need for your wellness pentagon, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and financial, whether it's emotional intelligence or supplements or feel free or the MitoZen Zen nasal spray or anything at all that'll give you a better well-being, you can find it at joshtrend.com forward slash store. If you ever listen to me talk on the podcast and you're like, hey, what did he say? What was the link? What was the code? Where is it? Everything is right there. We make it easy for you at joshtrend.com forward slash store. Now let's tune in with Joseph Anu with myself as a guest on this beautiful special rebroadcast of the Intuitive Warrior podcast. Hey, Josh. Hey. Dude, it's so cool to be here. Thank you so much for hosting. We're hosting my podcast in your beautiful studio here. How does it feel to be the guest in your own studio? I love it. I love being the guest because it makes me ask questions to myself that maybe I haven't asked before, especially when it's with someone like you. So I'm, I'm all about being a guest. I love, I just love podcasting. I just love conversation. I think it's because when I was younger, I craved deeper conversation. I didn't necessarily get it all the time because that i'm actually curious about that because you know i think you're a fantastic podcaster i think your show is amazing i think you do an incredible job i think you're you know right up there with some of my like the people i look at even like rich roll like when i started my podcast I'm like this guy's a good interviewer yeah. like just wow he did so and i get that vibe from you as well and where do you think you got that like in your upbringing childhood adult life I think it's a combo of uh, the contrast that I that I received, what I the vacuum that was created by me desiring something and then not having that desire fulfilled. So that's the first part. Maybe it's a three prong, and then that led to me finding food as a drug, finding drugs as drugs, and then filling the bottomless hole in my soul because I didn't know that I held the key to make the bottom actually appear. And then also when I was a personal trainer, um, I have a background in health and fitness. I was a trainer for 10 years and so 10,000 hours with clients on gym floors. And there's an art form to holding a client just at the peak of interest through conversation in personal training sessions. And I think I really actually cut my podcasting uh, vernacular and verbiage from holding space for clients as they would learn to breathe and do lunges and do stuff that was kind of hard for them. And I think great health and fitness professionals, they have an ability to lead a client into something really hard, but still make them feel safe and actually care about the person. 
And I think that comes through in podcasting, but probably an amalgam of all three, Joseph. Right. And it's, and it's funny because the health and wellness, even the personal training industry, like the life expectancy of a new personal trainer is like three to five years. Oh, so I went longer. <laughs> and you and I both, yeah. right? And, it, and it's, you hit the nail on the head though. You have to really care. You have to really strive to connect. You have to build a relationship and rapport. Yeah. And I'm curious, you mentioned food as a drug and drugs as drugs. Let's focus on food because I think that food is, is something that a lot of people struggle with. And even a lot of my clients that are fit, like they're still dealing with some food issues. So what is that? What is that food as a drug? What is that part of your journey? And, and what did you take into your personal training practice from that experience? All drugs are a form of control. They're a coping strategy for control of any kind. And drugs could be porn, shopping, overworking, food. Um, you could be addicted to current events and media as well. You could try to like know all the different names of Kim Kardashian's cat. You know, that could be an addiction. So for me, the addiction to food was more about control and controlling that I could at least feel good if I used the coping tool that I knew made me feel good. And that was the big one. And then below that obviously was a lot of just not knowing how to unpack my own emotions and trauma, capital T, lowercase t, just not knowing how to unpack it. And so energy does not get created or destroyed at all. And so energy goes sideways when it's pushed down. And I feel for myself, like the opposite of my depression was expression. So when I would express myself, like I was voted class clown and most funny person, G Grossmont High School, that was my thing. Like I would, I, I would express because really I was depressed and I was depressed because I was eating a bunch of food. I was gaining weight. I was not getting attention from women that led to a whole spiral we can talk about, but really it was like me not feeling safe in myself, not feeling at home in my own physical body that led me to find all these different external ways that I could have a locus of control. Right. And when I look at your family, you know, in, in many ways, it's like a, a mirror, right? Like beautiful wife, you know, health and wellness husband, beautiful son. It's just, it's so beautiful. And, and that journey of like, you know, not getting attention from women and the journey of finding Carrie and now having your son, like, what is that? Like, what is huh? that whole thing? Like, I, I, I'm a believer in that there's no accidents, right? So yeah, the depressed Josh, I'm assuming that was like in high school, like put you on some sort of path that led to Carrie and Nova. So what is, what is that? What was that journey? All right. Well, if you guys are down, we're going to go through the layers because there's some layers. All right. Um, <laughs> Let's go. And, and when I'm sharing this, I'm thinking about, all right, yeah, this is my unique story. This is my unique experience of life. But on the other side of it, a lot of things that I'm going to share probably hit men in the heart because they themselves maybe are still going through it or have gone through it. And now they're getting clarity on what they've gone through. So to pull the e-brake, my mom struggled with mental health issues when I was very young. My dad left home when I was two months old. Uh, lots of tumultuousness in my childhood. And that's not to demonize them because truly with the level of consciousness they had and the tools they had, my mother and father both did the best they could. And I, I really do believe that. I can, I can feel that. And sometimes the best that our parents can do, it's not enough. It's not as supportive as a child needs which is really, if you want to break it down on a soul level, I chose my parents anyways. So I came into this world knowing that I would receive that contrast, that I would receive that dark hit. And so flash forward, I'm 21, I'm 280 pounds. 
I had played high school football. I could bench 225, like almost 30, 40 times, something like that. <laughs> I was just this massive dude, but I was, wow. I would, it's an armoring. Yeah. And, and a lot of psychotherapists talk about this armoring effect that we have as men, you know, and I'll speak, my story is from a man's perspective, but, but my story could be recapitulated by a man or a woman, but I'll just speak to it from a man's perspective because I'm a man. And so I get to this place where I'm 280 pounds. I'm in this relationship out of high school that I did not want to be in. I knew that it was just not something where I was truly being loved and respected. And so that ended. And then I got to this place where I, after that, I was so sad with like not having connection to my own father, my mom being really sick and just not having the capacity or the skill set to deal with life herself. I really felt um, on an island, you know, on an island just alone. Like, what's the point of this fucking thing? What am I, what is the point of life if we're supposed to live life like this? What's the point of it all? And I was drinking, I was like 22 years old and I was slamming this party cup down and I looked down and there's like this belly hanging over and I just, it was the first time like I had ever been pierced by the sword of God, I felt like. And I just, put the cup down and I took a breath and I kind of walked over to this fence. It was by San Diego state. I'm like actually remembering it right now. Like I'm never remembered it before. And I just closed my eyes and I felt like this voice of God come through. And it just said like, there, there is actually more than this, something very simple. There's more to life than this. There is more than this. And I just had this fire in me and I ran home drunk. I must've run home like three miles and I looked, opened the computer and I was like, how do I be healthy? That was what I typed in. And that put me on this journey where I sold everything I owned. I moved to Hawaii. I found the feminine power of the ocean. I got into surfing. I started to explore life and get to know the parts of myself that were really uncomfortable. But of course, ever since I was 13, I had masked it from porn anyways. So mm. pornography ruled my life until three years ago. Wow. I've only been free from the clutches of porn for three years. But when I say only, I'm so proud of myself. I mean, it's such yeah. a beautiful thing such a beautiful thing to be free from addiction. But it's, it's like I look back on all the stages of my evolution and there's true compassion for every single stage, although challenging. But when I was in Hawaii, I had lost a bunch of weight. I was still using porn at the time. I was actually still chewing tobacco as well. Lots of coping strategies, lots of addiction strategies. And I got to this place where I was working out at the 24-hour fitness and the manager came up to me and he's like, hey, I've seen you get some good results. He's like, have you ever thought about being a trainer? And I was like, what's a trainer? <laughs> I didn't even know what personal training was. <laughs> I didn't even know you could get paid to do that. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is going to be my purpose, which is where I think a lot of trainers, they, most people on the spiritual path, they start out with the physical. They start out with fitness because it gives you immediate feedback that you sometimes have a shorter learning curve than the learning curve of the heart and of the soul. And so I started with fitness because I was fit and I was helping others and I was so stoked and I did that for a long time. And probably at around five years, I, I knew, I was like, hmm, me doing another program design on this clipboard or me doing another periodization table or teaching someone about the Carvonin formula, like I just, that does not light me up and it's actually taking away my soul. I started to receive information from somewhere, either myself or God, that just wasn't the path anymore. And I went through a lot more drinking, a lot more partying, a lot more stuff. And all the while, I was really in a space where a lot of men get to, where they're just using sex as a way to cope as well. So not only did I do my best to heal the food, which was a coping strategy, but also there was porn and there was unconscious sex. And it was just, and there was a lack of financial intelligence and an abuse of credit cards. 
So think about everything in the wellness Pentagon, <laughs> mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, all of those were giving me these gongs to pay attention. But I was not listening. I was absolutely not listening. And I got to this place in the end of 2014 where I had like a second version of the dark night of the soul where I was crying on a golf course in La Costa Omni, just looking over the golf course. And I had broken up with a woman that I thought I was going to be with. I had put my mom, she had a pretty severe episode. We had to put her in a mental home at that time. And also I was fired from a quote, safe job. It was actually the active network. They do like registrations yeah. for, for races and whatnot. I think for Spartan Andy, too. Andy, uh, what's his name? Right. So, so I got to this place where my journey's a, a mirror of so many other people's because I, I thought oh, I'll make money on the front side and on the back side, I'll just have my dream tucked away. I wanted to be on the radio. That's what I wanted to do forever, but I didn't believe that I had it. I didn't believe that I had the chops. I didn't believe in myself. I was never modeled that belief through any parents at all. So it's no shame on that older version of myself. And so I got to this place where I was like, okay, I'm 35 years old. I'm overlooking a golf course. I'm $75,000 in credit card debt. I'm a porn addict. I don't have successful relationships. I'm masking my health with all these things that aren't working. Something's got to give here. And so that was a moment where instead of God stabbing me, God opened my heart. And I was able to really have a true conversation with God. And I said, if this is what you want my life to be, or if life is supposed to be me contributing to someone else's dream, then fucking take me out. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to live. I don't want to be in this planet. There's something else. <clears throat> so that was when I started the podcast. <laughs> I started the podcast from that place because wow. I wanted to understand. I bought, the, I bought wellnessforce.com in 2010, and it took me until 2015 to launch, at the time, what was called Wellness Force Radio because I wanted to be on the radio. And I got, I got to this place again um, in 2020, which we can talk about, where I went through a death and rebirth again. I feel like it's every seven years or so. I'm literally just connecting that right now in real time. Holy shit. 2015 was when I had a death and rebirth on a golf course where I said I'd rather actually die than be in this life anymore. And then in 2022, I'm realizing exactly seven years later, I had another death and rebirth, which I haven't thought about until right now. It doesn't surprise me. So there's a lot of layers there. Um, the underpinnings of all this was energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be moved. It can only be transmuted. So all the energy inside of me, the pain, the grief, the shame, the anger, the rage, the resentment, everything you could imagine was just sitting in there and putrefying and it wanted to get out and it got out through the art of breath. It got out through many different plant medicine ceremonies. It got out through every woman I was ever with because they all taught me something. And then the ultimate purge was me, you know, having a child with Carrie and, and that to me taught me and still continues to teach me everything I need to know about being a man and about being a human being on planet earth. Wow. I mean, what a story. And thank you so much for sharing it, Josh. I mean, it, it's, it's wild how, I mean, because as we discussed on your show, like this, this energy within you, it can't be created or destroyed. And then when we, when we don't channel it in the right way, it goes into it goes into unhealthy choices. It goes into unhealthy yes. means. Chaos is always seeking order. Right. Look at nature. There, even sodium potassium in the body. Go back to biology. <laughs> 
you can't have all sodium. You can't have all potassium. The pump only works when there's a differential. It's the same thing with love and hate and pleasure and pain. Like we've got to have them both. And and the only way that balance exists is through the journey of trying to find what the middle even is. How do we even find the middle? Right. And what is the theme around, you know, your, your upbringing is interesting with your, with your mother and having mental health disorders and the absent father. And I think the absent father piece is a, is, um, it's a common thread in a lot of men that are struggling. And of course, mm. when, when men struggle, women struggle, right? Because we're, we're two sides of the same coin. Yeah. What was the masculine? It seems like, and I know you've read a lot of like Carl Jung and, you know, where was your king and your warrior and your magician and your lover? You know, in terms of the, the, um, the regressions that maybe you had taken, you know, what, what levers did you pull and how did you identify that there might be a masculine feminine issue kind of at the core of that journey? I think in, at the end of my personal training career, I had, I had been training clients during the day and then I would drink beers and chew tobacco at night. It was, it was an obvious, I would reflect, I would look at myself with what self-awareness I had at the time. And I'd be like, this is not working. Something, something's not working. So I remember in 2010, I, I wrote down, it was right around the time I bought wellnessforce.com. And I, I think I wrote down in my journal at the time, this is way before I had Evernote or like some digital thing. Yeah. I wrote down, I think I have a problem with porn. I, I think I'm using it wrong. I don't, this doesn't feel right anymore. The aftertaste doesn't feel good anymore. Something's not right about this. Because for a while, I think a lot of men, they, they ride the hormonal wave of testosterone and there can be certain things that just are pushed to the side in really sacrifice to biology, biology expressing itself. And so I, I found really not necessarily God yet, but I found this essence of peace that I had been craving. And the peace that I had been craving would only come when I would be honest with myself about something. Then, then some peace would come in and I would get these little touches of peace, sometimes with friends, sometimes alone at my house. Um, I used to spend a lot of time in the water in the ocean and I used to surf quite a bit in Cardiff by the sea and I would be out in the ocean and I would get these little moments of like, huh, this feels so much more honest than being in front of a screen and having fake intimacy or smoking or drinking or partying or doing all these things that we're all, and it's not to shame myself. I'm actually, I'm proud that I got through it. You know, a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people don't get through it. Right. A lot of people stay stuck. There's 40 year olds at Plum Crazy wearing a beanie. And still partying, <laughs> partying in PB with yeah. the twenty-year-olds, right? So that's not to shame them either. It's just it is what it is. So, but what is that like? That higher consciousness, right? Because yes. there's a lot of kids watching porn, surfing. Sure, sure. They don't go create amazing podcasts and and contribute to the wellness of thousands of people all the time. Like it seems like there was, yeah, was it God? Was it? I think it was a combination of God, and I think it was my free will to choose. I do. Or it could be just me experiencing what was already predestined. And I think it's my free will. We can go down that rabbit hole. But yeah, I, I think it was my, my, I was angry at God for a long time in my life. And many people are because for me, I always thought, oh, well, how come God can't take away my mom's illness? How come God lets a school bus of children die? All these like genuine questions, because I think my soul has always been trying to figure out what's the meaning of life. Like, what's the true mean? What are we doing here? What's this all about? Like, why do y'all adults treat each other so bad all the time? Like, what is this? And so at, maybe at the core of your question, there is just a, a, a hunger, an insatiable hunger for me to 
the, to find the answer. I, I want to find the answer. And also in my insatiable hunger to find the answer, I've learned, and maybe it started in 2015, really, I've learned that I don't always get the answer. And there's peace in that too. There's peace in me sometimes going to the depths of my soul and being honest with myself and honest with someone else. There's beautiful peace after that. But also sometimes there's peace in me just letting go of trying to find the meaning, trying to find exactly the white knuckling purpose as to why we're here and what I'm doing and just actually enjoying the damn thing and just being part of it and not being so forceful, which is why, quick caveat, it's why in two, this year in February, you and I share this death and rebirth this year where, you know, we're, we're on the intuitive warrior podcast. And so it used to be stacked. It yeah. used to be something else. Yeah. And so same with me, like seven years, as I said earlier on two twenty two twenty two, I just let go of the word force Yeah. because force doesn't serve me anymore. Force can't always be trusted. Like you can be, see it in nature all the time. There's black stallions or animals that fight each other or tsunami waves or earthquakes. These things are powerful, but it's not power that can always be trusted. Like true, true power that can be trusted comes from a place of peace. Leaders that shame others and that lead by violence and lead by fear. The minute that that fear goes away, the minute that that leader loses their quote power, they will be killed. They will be taken over because everyone secretly resents someone Mm. that is leading by force leading by force all the time. And so I was done with it. I was done with the force. And, and in its place, I, I gave wisdom. I, I've earned wisdom and I've earned it. I've earned the wisdom because there's still more to earn, obviously. But I think that was the turning point. I don't, I don't know if there's one answer to your question, really, which is kind of beautiful, right? It's a beautiful response. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like the art of the samurai, Right. I think like we, when we even we look at the word warrior, like people these days, especially even masculine or man, it's like we think of this like, you know, uh, forceful leader or this like aggressive tyrant. When in fact, no, like if you look back at any warrior society, they were incredibly intelligent, incredibly calm. It was only when there was a battle worth fighting yeah. that that warrior even came out. And the, the rest of the time, they were like noble members of society. The true the true warriors, the intuitive warriors, yeah, but not, not the dictators. Right. Not what's going on with the Chinese Communist Party right now. Not what's going on with America right now. Not what's going on with Canada right now. Like there's, right. there's no intuitiveness in these governments. It's just gone. And it's gone because they're ruling by fear. Right. And that fear is eventually going to turn into the deepest level of resentment, which creates a vacuum. And nature hates a vacuum. Nature, nature abhors a vacuum. Eventually, maybe in our lifetimes, these systems will fall. And in the meantime, I'm aware of all these things, but I'm working on the government and the, the locus of control in me. Because if imagine if all of us here right now, just made a commitment to say, no matter what, I'm not going to be a slave to my biology anymore. Right. And we just, that was it. And in, in its place, I said, I'm only going to listen to an alignment of my mind, my heart, and my soul. And I'm going to decipher how to do that. The world would change literally overnight. Obviously, it's going to take some learning curve for people to get there. Yep. But, but instead of me focusing on the problem and what's going on, yeah, we need to talk about it because there has to be awareness. But anytime I push against something, it's exhausting. But when I pull something, it's freeing. Right. So that's, that's where I am now in life. And that's how I make sense of all this stuff without having to find the meaning all the time. Right. 
All right. I love that. And I love the power versus force. And you're right. Like nature, force never wins. So it is always like, you know, Tiananmen Square, right? It's like yes. power always beats force. Force is exhausting. It's exhausting. It's expensive, both, you know, financially and just from your own resources. Yeah. And, and how does this relate to an individual's health and wellness? Because I think some of the themes that you kind of tackled, one of them that came up for me was like the instant gratification mm-hmm. and the path that you've been on. There's this like, I don't always get the answer. Like, how do you communicate that skill to somebody in today's world where we have this like really forceful, striving, mental obsession with hitting certain goals and and achieving something? And if I put a quarter in, I get the response, right? We're very like, you know, we crave that instant gratification. But as yeah. you know, like the work to find your power and your source energy, it's like, it takes a lot of patience. It's like, it's almost the antithesis of the way that we're being conditioned now where like our Instagram's designed to just keep us right here and everything is easy. And if your ad isn't absolutely perfect, no one's going to click it. Well, the problem is actually wrapped with the solution. The solution is that we all need to have experiences. Runga is an experiential event. You, You can't, there's no like zoom call where you can tune in. Right. Right. It wouldn't work. Right. It wouldn't work. You would never be able to integrate wisdom that you haven't experientially learned. You can't do it. It's literally not possible. It's like trying to fight gravity. It's just some things are universal truths. So there's a universal truth that we're talking about here. And that is if, if we are to have a shift within ourselves and have a shift within society, there has to be not a focus on how shitty the phone is that you mentioned mm. or how shitty all these things are. There needs to be an awareness of them, yeah. right? There needs to be a conversation about them. And then 2X on top of that. So a 1X might be, let's talk about the problem in full detail. And then in 2X or more, let's unpack the ways of being, the ways of loving, the ways of sharing, the ways of living, the ways of training so that we can overcome, not with force, but with power, with flow for these things that are just siphoning away our chi, our life force energy. So, you know, in full detail, I might say something like if I, and this is what I teach in the Breathe program, uh, this is what I've learned in my own life, and this is the Wellness Pentagon. So I, I believe that through my journey, that wellness is a pentagon. It's a house. A house has a roof, one, two, two walls, three, four, and a floor, five. So at the base of it all, there is our physical health. If my physical health is suffering, then it's definitely going to affect my mental health. If my mental health is suffering, it's going to affect my financial health. If my financial health is suffering, it's definitely going to affect my connection to God because I'm not going to have any time to, to pray or meditate because I'm stressed out about everything. And then also my emotional health, my ability to give and receive information, my ability to allow energy to go through me, my, my ability to emote, you know, to move the energy in motion, which is emotion, through me and process. So those five things of the Pentagon, they are all something we have to nourish. And you know this because you've worked with some of the biggest athletes in the world and you've had a lot of people that are very high on the pay scale and they probably still suffered with a lot of different things on that Pentagon, just like somebody who's broke does. But I will say that if we're going to change the, the tide here and if we're going to do something different, we've, we've got to have a conversation where there's awareness of the problem and then there's a double focus or a double intention that we share for the solution. And I think the solution is by nourishing those five things. There's lots of ways that we do that. That's like probably four or five podcasts. But, but I think that there needs to be really an alignment of our heart, our head, and our gut or our soul. Some you can call it the enteric nervous system. 
you, you could call it the vagus nerve. You can call it whatever you want. Like I'm, I'm a biological being sitting here enjoying time with you, but I'm also a soul that's Josh Trent. And the cool thing about it is there'll never be another me. There'll never be another you. And so why are we making decisions forgetting that? Why do, why do human beings, why do I in the past and even sometimes now in the present, why do I tend to, why do we tend to forget that we are a heart, a soul and a mind? Why do we forget that? It's because our entire society, as you mentioned with the phone analogy, is so focused on getting us in the mind 24-7, 365, that by design, the societal construct wants to make us exit the body and exit the soul. Like Prince said, <laughs> remember when Prince, did you see that thing where I, he was I, yeah, on the Yahoo yeah, stand yeah. and the internet was coming through and he's like, internet's cool, but you know, don't let the internet rule you because there's a war for, there's a war out there and the prize is your soul. And I think that's true. I think that's true for the technological revolution, the social media revolution. They're revolutions, but it doesn't mean they're evolution. Right. My wife had a um, kind of an epiphany the other day. She's like no longer on Instagram. I deleted it from my phone. I only use it on the iPad. Yeah. That's the way to do it. It's the way. We have, and we, Facebook. Yeah. We have a social media phone. That's it. Yeah. Yes, it's, Joe. It's the way to do it, Oh man. my God, that's so cool. But she was on there and she was like, it's a it's a video game. It's she had this like, you know, this moment where she was like, It's not about the pictures, it's about the journey. Yeah. It's not about seeing, you know, Josh's post. It's just about keeping you in the game, right? As long as possible and to to capture your attention. And to, and it was funny because she was like processing this kind of like when you have one of those moments where, you know, you kind of are like, you know, she was just verbalizing. She was having like, a spiritual upgrade. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Like, this <laughs> is so unhealthy. What do you think? So it seems like, you know, especially with like the government stuff that you mentioned, it's like there is a war going on and the prize mm. is your soul. Like, where does that lead us? Like, where is that going? Like, and do you think like part of me, let me give you a little more context. It's like, if you are, if your soul by nature attract, is attracted to truth, right? So your vibration, one of your you know, values as an example is, I want to live truthfully, right? Well, prior to like a lot of the stuff that's going on, has that definition changed? Like, have you gone deeper into your soul because of, some of the stuff that's gone on in the external world. Yeah. Because I think that's the divide and conquer that's happening. Yeah. What do you think? I think, well, what I feel, I mean, I, I think all kinds of things. I think that this is a big theater that we're all involved in. And this might be a little esoteric to the health and fitness professionals, but I'm going to go for it. Yeah. I think that you and I are words on a page in a cosmic book that is written for all time. And the only thing that we can really do is just leave the page for the next words, the next people, a little bit cleaner, a little bit better, yeah. a little more loving. That's it. I love that. That's really what I think. Hmm. And that's what I feel too. Now, how we're going to get there, I don't exactly know, but a lot of thoughts that run through my mind equate to something like, all right, well, in this moment, what would love actually do? What would love's way of being be like? And of course, we're sitting here in the studio and we're in a loving space and we're sharing this. And maybe that's what we all need more of actually is an experience like 50 of your closest friends 
doing all these biohacking tools, loving each other, having great conversations. And then also, what does that look like at home? You know, how do you have these moments that you might have with people where there's not as much on the line? How do you have that same exact vulnerability? How do you have that same exact loving experience when there is so much on the line, when it is your wife or your husband or your kids or saying goodbye to a job? Like, you know, those five aspects, each one of those carries with it a very significant opportunity for change at all times. And so if we're rising to the demand of that change, I think that's at the crux of your question. I don't shame people. I used to, I used to get really angry and judgmental um, of a lot of things. And I still work on that all the time because I'm fucking human. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember when COVID theater first came out, I was like, this is a sham from day one. I mean, literally the first post I saw, I was like, this is garbage. This is absolute garbage. And it's unfolded in a way that I think none of us could have ever expected. And there were times in that first six months to a year that I would see a woman in her car with three masks on with the windows rolled up alone. And I would say, you fucking idiot. I would say that. I would say things like that. You fucking idiot. You're believing this story. You're making this whole thing shitty for us. Fuck you. I would be very sinister. And then like, as I walked Hawkins ladder (laughs) and I got through like judgment and then acceptance and then, you know, I would start to go to like, okay, well, where, where am I masking the shit out of myself? Mm. Where am I rolling up the windows on my life? Like literally that's all it is. The reason she triggered me the most is because I obviously still have work to do. Otherwise I wouldn't be so triggered. Right. So the way that we get there with with the question you asked moments ago is like, okay, if we all know that there's a war for the soul and we know that that's the prize that whatever dark energy out there wants, Because we know there's evil in the world. Otherwise, we wouldn't have proof of it. Just like we know there's love. Like when you and I hold our our sons, like we we know what love is. We we have an experience of love that that is wisdom that we don't need a book to tell us. So in order for us to have the understanding that the prize is the soul and, and how do we get away from our souls being compromised and our souls being eaten alive is to actually stop for a moment. If you're in nature and you're lost, the most powerful thing you can do is stop. I learned that through my vision quest guide. We all must stop. We have to learn how to breathe again. We have to learn how to listen to each other again. And we have to learn how to stop being such a conditioned bundle of nerves where we're just reacting to one another. And we really have to learn how to be responders to life. And I think it's conversations like these. It's it's my podcast. It's your podcast. It's just our way of being that is imperfectly always trying to show up in that best way, but at least that's the intention. I think the intention has to shift, but until there's greater awareness and then a two X focus on the solution, I don't think that that's going to shift. I don't think anything's going to shift unless there's that two X focus on what we're actually going to do with all of this darkness that we're, that we're sensing because it's here. It's here for us. It's here for us to, to learn, by the way, it's our teacher. It's our teacher. The darkness is our teacher. Right. I love that. And so I imagine, um, what, what role did breath and breathing and your program play in that journey of looking in when you got triggered by the woman with the three masks on? I imagine you probably found your breath and that might've been yeah. part of the toolbox and the kit that you use to kind of handle that processing. What role has breath played in general in terms of your journey? My first time ever really accessing the breath was um, 2016. I did a event with Mark Devine called Unbeatable Mind. Okay. And it was, it was actually in Carlsbad. 
Um, and I was laying on the floor and there was a bunch of like Navy special warfare people yeah. and just like some high caliber people. And we were doing warrior breathing, conscious, continuous, circular breathing with, with Dan Brule and with some other people. And I, I'm like looking down at my shirt. I'm like, why is my shirt wet? And I'm, I'm crying. I'm, cr- I'm literally, I'm crying. I'm like, I don't know what's going on right now. I, my body was emoting. Breath became this bridge for my subconscious mind, which is wow. my body that I understand now that was allowing, giving an access point for stored emotions to be let go of. And by stored emotions, I mean, the cure for anything is salt water, right? The ocean, <laughs> my tears. Quinton. Yes. <laughs> I like how you dropped that in there. Um, shout out. Affiliate code. But, um, but yeah, like that, that was when I first found the breath. And I would honestly say mm. that the breath found me because I was looking for the breath and we all are. In your question was something so rad. You were like, well, I bet you found your breath when you saw the woman with three masks. Yeah, I did. But I didn't find my breath by taking an inhale and an exhale. Mm. I found my breath by, by emoting. And I think many of us were so focused on the, the anger and the aggression, especially as men, because that's what we're taught. We actually do get our breath out, but we don't get our breath in. We're not breathing in as men. We're not taught to breathe. We're not taught that, that inhale hold. We're just taught exhale, 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 exhale. exhale. At some point, y'all have to inhale. <laughs> like you got to bring it in somehow. And so for me, when I started to learn that in 2016, that sparked a deeper journey for me. And it started to weave into my podcast slowly. And I started to learn from Dan Brule and um, Anahata Ananda and Gwen Payne and um, who else? Niraj Naik and a lot of the people in the breathwork world. Yeah. And then in 2018, I went to Thailand for a month and I trained for a with month. Niraj? With Niraj. Yeah. And, um, and it was on this island of Koh Phangan, Thailand. It was an amazing experience. But it was around that time, uh, actually right when I got back from that trip, where sometimes on the journey of our soul, we, we have this spiral of healing. And this concept was introduced to me by Kelly Brogan, Dr. Kelly Brogan. She says that healing is a spiral, and I would definitely say that's true. And we can use whatever nomenclature we want, but sometimes in healing, like in healing, if you're intentional about it, you're always going up, but you may not always be linearly going up. Sometimes healing is like, I healed that up. Actually, no, I didn't heal it. There's more. There's more. That, oh, okay. I healed it. Oh, nope. There's a little bit more to heal. So, but each time, each time there's the spiral, you, you heal a little bit more. And that was the case for me in Thailand because I realized that I still had the porn addiction. You know, in 2018, it was still there. And I, and I just started getting even more and more curious because I hadn't found Carrie yet. Um, I knew that I wanted something more loving. I knew that I wanted something more meaningful in my life. And I didn't know. So I had to have my ass completely kicked in an ayahuasca ceremony that year to the point where I had an entity attach. And if you would have told me that that would have happened to me, first of all, if you would have told me that entities exist, I would have said no way. But all those years of watching porn, and this goes to every single man or woman that's ever had a struggle with porn, every single time you watch something that you know you don't want to watch, but you're watching it because you're trying to fill a hole that you don't know the key or the lock for, you are micro-traumatizing your psyche. You are literally filling your subconscious mind layer by layer, scene by scene, screen by screen. You are micro-traumatizing yourself. Eventually, you're going to have to purge that out. Mm. Eventually, all micro-trauma has to be released. Otherwise, micro-trauma can turn into capital T trauma. And so in 2018, I got my ass kicked at a place down in Costa Rica that just was the most raking of my soul. 
took me a year and a half to heal. It was right when Carrie and I got together at the beginning of 2019 that it all went down. Wow. And so, you know, I'm so grateful for her for like holding the space for me and like letting me move through all of that, you know, because it wasn't until 2019 that I like let go of pornography, but it was because I, I had a full death experience. Ayahuasca showed me that if I were to continue to go down this road with pornography, that not only would I not have a son, which is what I eventually ended up having, not only would I never find love, but my life would be shackled in its own despair. And I was throwing up in the bucket and I was throwing up on a, on a boy's face in the bucket. And I, I will never forget the feeling of that. The space was not being held properly at this center. I ended up uh, having a psychic break. Uh, it was very traumatic. And this is why I was so interested in doing the podcast with Ben, because I think we do need to paint both sides of the plant medicine story. I am not anti-plant medicine. Uh, we just did a little micro journey recently, but the key is micro. There's, there's a dose for every stage of healing. Mm. And so I was so, I was coming to the medicine in 2018 desperate. I was coming desperate. And that is not how you want to come to the medicine. You only want to come to any medicine with the curiosity and the genuine intention of healing. You do not want to come to plant medicine with despair. Like <laughs> you just don't want to do that because the medicine is a tool. The medicine hears our spells. And so when I put words out, like I want to let go of porn, I want to let go of this. I I'm in despair. Please, please help me. That opens you up to entities that opens you up to darkness because I'm going to butcher this a tiny bit, but uh, there's a phrase in the Bible, Isaiah 45, seven, and it is, I, the Lord create good and evil. I create dark and light. I, the Lord do all these things. And I'm not religious, but like that sticks to my soul because what right there, what God is telling us is that God is everything and no thing at the same time. The devil is God. God is the devil. It's, it all comes from the same origin. And so when we do plant medicine ceremonies and when we open ourselves up to these experiences, we have to be held in such a sacred way. And there has to be such a beautiful container there that if not, or if somebody isn't facilitated properly, they could have an experience like I had. Now, granted, like you could look at my experience and you could say that happened perfectly for you because if it didn't happen in, in exactly the way it happened, 18 months of dealing with OCD looping thoughts not feeling like I could actually be still in my body. I mean, it, it fucked me up and it might not be able, people might not be able to come back from something like that unless they had like my path, they have their own path. So that was the deciding factor in me really letting go of the addiction. I had to go and, and actually watch myself die and be taken over by darkness to feel the full presence of darkness within myself that that was the only way I could move closer towards light. That was the only way I could move closer towards God's love. Because for my soul, I think it's that white knuckling ever since I was a kid, like I wanted the answer. Well, God's like, here's the answer. The answer is that darkness lives in you and me all the time. And the more that we feed it, the more that we fuel it, the more it thrives. So entities only attach to people where there's space for them to live. It's not like I'm a victim here where I'm like, oh, I went down to a center and the medicine was bad. If I played into that story, then yeah, I would just leave my life like a victim. You and I wouldn't be sitting here. I wouldn't have healed. Right. But the only reason I healed is because I just keep going back to this question of, okay, it started with the breath and it actually became the end of that phase of my healing with the breath. I bought breathwork.io um, that very next morning. 
after I had the psychic break and I was like, what am I going to do to find an anchor? And breath came through for me. I just started going even deeper into breath work. I mean, like no psychedelics for two years plus and just breath work every day as deep as I could trying to find the meaning of why these thoughts were coming and what this entity was. And really what the entity was is it was a, it was a bringer of light. <laughs> the, the entity was what made me launch breathwork.io and the breathe program and go deeper into my own practice. And that's really the gratitude that I have for the darkness. I just don't wish that upon anyone else. Right, man. And and that's sort of like now, you know, and, and part of the reason Ben, I think, has taken the stance he's taken is like a lot of people are diving into a realm that they don't really understand. Yes. And, um, you know, I love like Adam Von Rothfelder. I think you might know Adam, but on this show, he said, like, if you're going to play with science, you should probably know the science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, and I, I've, a lot of people have been inquiring to me about plant medicines and um, how they should go about it. And oftentimes I'm telling them to go find a breathwork program, go, Ooh. Um, you know, because I think that container, I think you had enough experience and awareness in yourself and your soul that like when you had this psychic break, like you had the tools yeah, to process it. Whereas like someone just as easily, they could have fucked their whole life up. Dude, this is exactly what I'm saying. And I really want everyone to feel this. I at least had three years under my belt of float tanks. I had done a Vipassana before mm -hmm. then. I had done loving kindness meditation. I had done the 20X. I knew how to suffer. So like I had built somewhat of a resolve right. that allowed the entity to come in that pushed me way beyond my edge that I might not have come back from if I wasn't humble and if I wasn't focused on the love of God and the love of what God actually is, which again, I'm not religious. This does not have to be some dude in the sky. I'm talking about the way that you feel when you hold your son or when you hold your wife or when we care about someone, we love someone else. We know we love someone, right? Like that's, that's the kind of love that we're being directed towards. But sometimes you and I, I had to go through so much chaos that the only way, the only way out because of honestly the stubbornness of my own ego was for me to experience that level of pain. So just caveat for what you're talking about. I think that there's probably like a two to three year on ramp for somebody to go into a deep journey. Yeah. Um, Carl Jung calls it a phrase. He says, be careful of unearned wisdom. Jordan Peterson has mentioned that too yep. when he was asked about psychedelics. Mm -hmm. Be careful of unearned wisdom because if you don't have the space to hold the wisdom that you're seeking, it may break you when you hold it. It may actually crumble you to the ground and you may not come back from it. So there's no shortcuts in this life. And I think a lot of people are, are feeling like plant medicine is some type of shortcut. Right. And Tim Ferriss, thank God, he actually three years after his uh, Iboga journey or whatever it was, he said, Hey, listen, I know in the past I said that, that, um, this plant medicine was 10 years of therapy in one night. He's like, I've changed my mind. And he had this massive blog post and you'll find that this is the case, Joseph, like people have these tremendous experiences. There's an opening and then things settle and then they come back with the real wisdom. Right. It's like, how do you know somebody's vegan or CrossFit? Cause they'll tell you, how do you know somebody's into plant medicine? They'll tell you, right. but like three, five, 10 years later, what do they really have to share? That's the wisdom we're all seeking. Right. I love that. And I, I think of that, you know, it was interesting. One of the learnings and it's kind of a similar story. When I graduated high school, um, I had two friends, both joined various branches of the military 
And one of them, and by the way, like I never served in the military and yeah. like respect and whatever. But one of them, like I, I don't believe ever like was deployed and, and, but when I, we would hang out, all he would talk about was the military, right? And then I had another friend that I know was deployed multiple times, had witnessed, and he didn't say a word about it. He was just there. He was pure love and kindness, pretty much. And so, again, I don't want to act like I'm taking away, but it was a it was a mental note for me at like 20 years old. Like it's interesting that the one that I know saw the most and has the most wisdom says the least. And the one that I suspect really, you know, did more than I did, but on the same token, didn't have the same experience as the other kid. He wants to talk about it all day and make a t-shirt about it and like, you know, do all. And I'm, I'm sensing the same thing from that plant medicine community, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and I think that's pretty, that's pretty frightening. Well, and it's, it's understandable too, because what if you all of a sudden found a key to your deepest peace? <laughs> <laughs> Only to realize that there is no all of a sudden to peace. Yeah. There's no all of a sudden, like the reason why there are people on the spiritual path for decades is because that's how long it takes. Like, mm -hmm. you know, there's this guy, he does this thing called emotion code. I don't know if you ever okay. heard of it. No. He takes a magnet and like puts it over people's head. I'm just like, if y'all can't tell that this is bullshit, then you need to experience the bullshit so that you get hurt from it so that you come back from it more wise. And it's the same thing with the COVID theater and a lot of other things that we've gone through as a society. We, we actually have to experience the the blood and the pain and the dirt yeah. and getting our face down in the mud before we actually get wise. I don't know why God designed it that way, but it seems to be the case, man. I've never, I've never interviewed anyone that hadn't had dark night or multiple dark nights of the soul for them to really come back around and be of true service. I haven't seen it play. I'm open to it not being like that. I am, but I haven't seen it. I really haven't. I haven't either. And even mm. when I look at my friends and the people I enjoy spending my most, the most time with, or the people that see the world like myself, we all have both wounding and healing. Yes. And so there's a certain, that's life. I think that's what we're destined to do here. Right. And, and can I piggyback real quick on what we were talking about? So, cause this is really good. This is actually, when you came to the studio today, I was telling you like, Joe, I've been working on something and I'm, and I'm like, I'm ready to share it here because I'm interested how you'll feel and how your audience will feel because I really want to integrate this as one portion of a book that I'm writing. And, and it's really about like, if, if it's not emotional intelligence, if intelligence is just information, then what are we all seeking when it comes to how to be with one another and be, and be with ourselves? And I think it's something that is a higher power. I think it's something bigger than just us. I think it's emotional intelligence squared. I think it's an understanding that when I learn lessons in my life and when I make meaning from those lessons through meditation and recapitulation and, and understanding and compassion, there has to be some type of framework for me. There has to be some type of framework. So I started to look back on my own life and I was like, okay, what are the, th what are the times that gets me in the most trouble? It's when I'm only in my mind. <laughs> when I'm only in my mind, that's when I get in the most trouble. Okay, what, what are the other times where I get in trouble in life? And by trouble, I mean pain. Oh, okay, it's when I've had my heart so blasted wide open that people trample on it. And then also, what are the times in my life that I've gotten hurt below that? Oh, it's when I was following some deity and I was making my spiritual devotion my entire life's mission. 
and I actually forgot that I live here in the 3D. I'm not up on a mountain. So I think if we look at all three of those constructs, like you have a soul, I have a soul. You have a mind, I have a mind. We have a heart, we all have a heart. And so how do I align all of those three? And what I've really been working on is this this squared process. So I just take myself into a journal prompt and on one side of the page, I draw a line on the left side, I write all the things that are causing me pain, no matter what. And then on the right side, I write 10 things, 10 and 10 on each side. 10 things that I really love about my life. Like really, like truly, like I love my son. I love sitting here with you podcasting. I love that I get to be in this new studio. There's lots of things that I really love that I feel gratitude for. And at the end of that, I take a breath. I turn off my phone. I sit in stillness for as long as I need to. And then I come back and I circle. I circle the one that's causing me the most pain, the one that's crushing my soul the most. And we all know which one that is. But the ego likes to be overwhelmed with many things, so it never has to decide which thing is hurting the most. And so by circling that one out of 10, you've decided, you've like pierced the ego Mm. in that moment. And then on the other side, you circle the thing that you're the most excited for, that you love the most. So an example might be someone's in a job that's killing their soul. And so they circle, I'm in a job that's killing my soul, and I'm doing this for my three children. I love my three children so much. And then this is the key of the inventory is you reach out to Joe. Joe is your coach or Josh or somebody. You do something. You, you reach out to someone and you make it real. You have a conversation. And in that conversation, you say, hey, I've done an emotional inventory process. You know, can I share this with you? But one caveat I'll say is you have to be careful who you share your dreams with. You have to be careful who you share your inventory with because they could sabotage you. And in a way, that's perfect because you're learning who sabotaged you and who doesn't. So be careful who you share your dreams with because that's how you can figure out your friends. And then you put a date on it. You say, hey, I'm, I'm committed to changing this one thing, to taking an honest look at this one thing. And you do it by when. So by this date, I will have taken these exact steps to identify, like, how do I move through this stuckness that I feel? And when times get really hard, because they will, you lean on the thing that you're most grateful for. And that's the beginning of that process. You know, that. That's how you really start like, all right, I'm integrating all these thoughts that I'm having. And then from there, there's this last part. Joseph, I promise I will finish up here. It's beautiful. Man. Thank you for letting me be in the flow because it's awesome when somebody just lets you be in the flow. The next part is this like curious inquiry where it's like, okay, compassion's great, but compassion itself doesn't always have curiosity. So CCI is next and you have this five layers deep where you just go five questions deep and you get your journal and you go, okay, well, why is that one thing I circled causing me pain? What are the thoughts? This is the first question. What are the thoughts that are running through my head that I'm attaching to, that I'm believing about why this is causing me pain? Oh, okay. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy of getting a new job. You just write them down. Then next question. Well, why is that so? Why is it that I, and I I start to go through either convincing myself or unconvincing myself about how I'm not worthy enough to change this thing, which all of us know that we're worthy. And so when we go through that process, we get all of these thoughts out of our mind and you just keep going. There's three more specific questions that I'm working on, but you get to the last question and you ask yourself, am I living in the past or am I living in the future? Mm. That's the key question at the end. I skipped a few because I want you all to read the book, but (laughs) but at the very end, you ask yourself, okay, now that I've done this inquiry and this true inventory, am I, is this actually a thing that I'm projecting based on my experience with my dad, my mom, my last partner, or am I afraid of what might happen in the future that I don't have the chops, that I don't have the, the wisdom to hold it? In other words, I don't believe in myself to, to succeed in the future, which produces anxiety. And from there, you'll find whatever path is necessary. 
And then once you do that, you can truly start listening to what are the thoughts that I'm thinking? Because I'm here to honor all three, the heart, the mind, the soul. What does my heart really feel? My heart loves my children. My heart loves my mission. My heart can get me through all of this shit. And then what is the deeper meaning that I think you can only get to when you go as deep as we just did? What is God trying to tell me? What is source trying to tell me? What is, what is my breath trying to tell me here? Like, what is this all about? Ah, and then you write down all three. That's the last part of the process. You write down your thoughts. You make sense of them. You write down what your heart is trying to tell you. And then very last, you write down what is the eternal wisdom that is living through me on this page in a cosmic book that I am just trying to learn so I can be a little bit more loving and I can be just a little bit better. And that's the ultimate wisdom. And that's, that's all we're searching for is in this process. So I'm curious what came up for you there. I love it. I think it's beautiful, man. And I think what came up for me is during that process, and I've done some similar journaling exercises and and processing. And I'm curious, because I think a lot of people struggle with that unworthiness. And that's probably why you used it as the example in your story. And when someone feels that, like, what does that journey look like into that? Like, what do you, because I think there's like, it's definitely not as easy as like, oh, I'm worthy. (laughs) <laughs> like there's, and I think that like people, self-love is a light switch that we just flick. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love yeah. myself. Flick. Exactly. Okay, everything's good. And I think, you know, cause I've in my own life, I've, <laughs> I've processed a lot of shame. Yeah. And, um, I'm curious on, on the path inwards for that. If you have any like quick hitters in terms of the journey you mm. take to dig into those types of emotions, because I think a lot of times we may identify them. Um, but I think they're really hard to tap into. And, um, yeah. What do you think? I, from my own experience, I can share my wisdom, Yeah, but it's different for everyone else. But I would say that if I really felt into the collective of our world right now, and especially the people that are here with us on the podcast, because you're all here because you are craving this intuition. You, you want to know what this is all about. Otherwise you wouldn't be listening. I think what this is all about, I feel what this is all about that. I'll go back to Peterson because I've been loving his work for so long. He said, if you really want to make meaning of your life, you have to shackle yourself to someone and load each other with responsibility. That's how you become a beast of burden. Not because you're here to suffer, but because that's how you actually live strong. That's how you live and thrive is by becoming a beast of burden, by carrying a burden of responsibility, by carrying children, by carrying your healing generational patterns of wounding and trauma through your relationship. I would say, however you identify, whatever you like, get with a person that is going to reflect and mirror to you in full fashion all the parts of yourself that are sabotaging you, that are feeling unworthy, that are scared of intimacy, that are not loving when you look in the mirror, that are a tyrant in your mind, and get really open about that and, and trust that like that journey is not going to be this linear thing. It's definitely going to be a spiral. You're going to go through spirals with your partner where you might two years into a relationship, you might revert back to a lesson in year one and just be okay with that. Just be okay with that. I will say that for a quick bullet, like you asked for, one of the things you can do is you can use breath work. And this is the key micro dosing, not macro dosing. But you can use breath work, nature, and microdosing. Carrie and I just did it this weekend. <clears throat> we just had a massive healing this weekend. It was beautiful. And we used a plant medicine called kana, which is actually legal. It's, legal. it's a shrub from Africa. 
and it's a it's a heart opener, but it's not a narcotic. It's not yeah. like MDMA or MDA. And it's so beautiful because it allowed us to get to this place where at the bottom of it all, the lights just flickered. I know it's I know it's something good. You did that with your mind. At the bottom of it all, there was just this resistance to being vulnerable. There was a resistance to being vulnerable. In you? In both of us. Both of you. In both of us. And that resistance to being vulnerable was attached to all the times in life, childhood, adolescence, young adult, where when someone chose to be vulnerable, they were stabbed. And that never creates a safe place for anybody to be vulnerable, ever. And so the spiral is, I'm with a person, because at the core of your question is, how do we go inward? We go inward with the intention to get honest and real, because we know on the other side of that honesty is peace. And we use whatever tools are necessary in slow, concise, intentional, in an intentional path to get there. And I think doing a great breathwork session is a powerful way to drop in with your partner. Doing a microdose of some plant medicine or some type of entheogen can be really amazing. And I also think just having a shared experience where you might go on a trip or you might travel together or you just might do something together where it increases your responsibility and it increases your capacity to be vulnerable. Because on the other side of that vulnerability is really the space that we all want because she just wants to be held. Women just want to be held. They do. But they've built up an armoring because all the times when they asked to be held, they were dropped. And of course, they're going to project that onto you because that's what they're healing in themselves. And I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to project onto her all the times where I wanted connection from a woman or my mom or my dad or anyone, and I didn't get it. And so I'm going to create a mirror inside of myself that thinks I already know how she's going to be. And I'm going to actually attract her behavior because of what I'm vibrating, because of my frequency that I step into. And so I think that's the way in microdose, breath work, nature and travel, shared adversity, shared experience together. I don't think I, people are going to hate me for this. I do not think we were here to be celibate our entire lives. I don't. I really don't. I think that's a cop out. I think that, and even people that don't want to have children, this isn't a judgment, but when you choose to not have children, it is some kind of uh, karmic lesson or some kind of soul contract unfolding that, that in this lifetime, you're not destined to have children. But I believe in, in some lifetime, everyone is destined to bring more life into the world. Otherwise, life would not continue, right? So there's a lot there, man. And I want to get into parenting, and I, I know we're probably getting up against time, and I think you as a father is just, uh, maybe that's a whole separate podcast in itself, but I want to touch into it. But one of the things that you've kind of alluded to yes. a couple of times, and it's, of course, the, I guess, the business I'm in, but it's the purpose I'm in. It's to create these significant emotional events. Yes. Right? And what I'm really hearing, too, is like, there's the significant emotional event and then there's the conditioning and there's like the work. And so is what's coming up for me when you were saying like, take a trip or, you know, go to the woods with your significant other. It's like, Oh, you're creating a significant emotional event, which, you know, in my past, maybe it's like fracturing my skull or maybe it's, maybe it's a <laughs> runga event. Maybe it's a Spartan race. Yes. Maybe it's a, so like there's all these significant emotional events and, a lot of times we attract, we assign meaning to these things maybe after, 
but you're sort of you're sort of assigning meaning almost before it. So in other words, like okay, we need to work on our vulnerability. We're going to go into the woods and have an experience, and then we're going to nurture and condition that that experience yeah. after the fact. So it's sort of like you're stacking the deck in your favor. Yes. You're not like waiting for lightning to strike your house to have a significant emotional event. Which by the way, I just want to point something out. When we were when I was first talking, there was lightning and the lights flickered in this studio. Right. So you're like totally on point right now. I would even say that if you involve water, we actually went paddleboarding. Mm. So water, as you know, water can hold memories for a lifetime. If you put energy into water, and you can look at that water under a microscope, it will not change if new energy doesn't come in. So if you go into water, water has a very healing, cleansing property. So any kind of ocean or lake or river or stream activity is probably really even better yeah. than just going into nature. Like nature with water, I think, is really, re- really key. Um, and then um, what was your other piece you were asking about? Well, I was saying you're assigning meaning to the event yes. before you get into it. And then there's the, yes. the conditioning after. So yeah, the, the meaning is that I'm suffering. <laughs> Uh, it's being humble and saying, okay, God, higher intelligence, or hey, my partner, like I'm, I'm really at the end of my rope here and I really want peace. I really have a true, honest desire for peace. I really want to know how do I be peaceful, which is funny because like in the answer is like totally the solution. <laughs> how do I be peaceful? Well, I just be peaceful. But in order for me to be peaceful, I have to unpack all the things that are making me feel like I can't be peaceful because I start to believe those. So yeah, I would say that there's, there's definitely like a lot of different ways you could do the whole outing together or nature together, but the key is together. That's the key. And right now it's so easy for couples and people to just be on their phones when they get home, because what we take is dopamine shooting energy or limbic system novelty activation as energy producing is actually not Right. We're being like earlier in the conversation, I think I said, how do we let go of being a slave to our biology? Mm. I think, I think we use breath as a way to just turn down the volume on this default mode network. You know, the, the prefrontal cortex, the posterior cingulate, the amygdala, like as we start to use our breath to tone the vagus and, and make sure that we're actually moving over, there's some more lightning striking there, actually moving over to the rest and digest, then all these things are more possible But if I'm just, you talked about this in your TED talk, if literally I'm just stuck in sympathetic all day long and all I'm doing is putting out fires, do you really think that you're going to have the humility or the intention for peace to be vulnerable, to open up, to be curious about why you're in pain? It's just not going to be there in my experience. So first we have to address like the the, the physical level, the base level and get that working smoothly. Then we can start to go around the house, around the Pentagon and but right. it's, it, I believe the first two, Joseph, was like physical, then mental, then all the others. Right. If those two aren't online, people could listen to our show right now and be so moved on a deep level. I mean, because I'm feeling moved just talking with you about it. But if they don't take care of those two, all of these are just ideas. All these are just words right. and, and they're not going to be used for anything. Right. And I love that, you know, the I, I recently posted on Instagram that... um a lot of people in the health and wellness space and most people, as you said, like they enter as a personal trainer. Yeah. They enter as a nutritionist. They enter as usually one of those two things. And then they become a coach that coaches other coaches, how to coach coaches to coach coaches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no one ever coaches any clients anymore. That's a whole sham. Anyways. That is a sham. Yeah, man. A sham. I, I dude, I just stepped into that world. Just like, I was like, you know, 
all right, next year, well, I don't, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but that is true. There's actually no clients. No one's ever getting helped. No one ever getting helped. It's a, it's a pyramid scheme, it's honestly. A py- yeah. I'm a coach that coaches other coaches how to coach coaches to coach other coaches to coach coaches. And it just goes on. It's, it's the same thing with like doTERRA and all these things. I'm not here to talk smack about MLM, but at some point, like yeah. I had my purging, we mm-hmm. all have to have a purging. Yeah. We have to have a purging of the lies. We have to have a purging of the micro trauma. Mm-hmm. We all have to throw it up. Like right. one of my favorite phrases from Alan Watts is he said, when it comes to our societal construct, it's all wretch and no vomit. Mm-hmm. Everyone's teaching their children to show up like their children to show up like their children. Everyone's, but no one's ever throwing up the poison. We're all just poisoning each other. It's just utterly ridiculous. And I think that's a nice segue into parenting. (laughs) Because I think that's, I think that's where the universe is right now. Like it is, you know, I know you and I take our responsibility as fathers very seriously and very similarly. So what is, what are your sort of, what have you learned in your first, is it 13 months or? Yeah, 14 months 14 at the months. end of this month, yeah. 14 months. 14 I months. mean, having been there, that's a, it's a, it's a very, it's obviously beautiful mm-hmm. and, you know, but it's a challenging oh, yeah. 14 months. So yeah, what do you have for us, Josh? Number one, to all parents, I'll just speak from fatherhood, but to all, all humans, test yourself with like really intense cold therapy and really intense hot therapy and really intense training. Test yourself in as many ways as you can to when you're, you're challenged to be at peace because of your environment, because that is exactly what's going to happen as a father or as a mother specific. I mean, Carrie's got it a lot more severe than me because uh, as you know, like we do co-sleeping and we believe that children should just be fed naturally if possible and there's just a way of being that follows the laws of nature that I think children were destined to, to be brought up in. And so we try to do everything we possibly can to have nothing artificial. So because of that, Carrie is waking up and feeding Nova all the time. And it's really just, you know, her sleep debt is like 250 G's or something. Right? Her sleep debt is insane. And, and so mine was too. And so you have to be able to negotiate with your partner about your shared dreams together. Like for me, if I show up to a podcast and I'm not well slept, then I'm not going to articulate well. My brain's not going to work. Like we talked about the physical first, then the mental. So that's a big one. I would say that for all parents out there, uh, any stage of parenting, really, especially in the first seven years or so, really do everything you can before you become a parent and while you're a parent to like, we have, we have a cold tank in the garage. I have my gym in the garage. Um, we have the sauna in the garage it's hot as shit in Texas. So you can just go outside and be uncomfortable. Like <laughs> it's just like, there's so many ways that we can train ourselves to be still functioning in the best, most vulnerable way, even in States that are highly triggering, highly triggering. And I would say once a year, do something like a 20 X or, or something where the whole point of the 20, 20 X or a vision quest. I've also done a vision quest or of a pasta, which I believe you've done. Yeah. So all these things, all they do is they strip us away from convenience. They strip us away from being like a comfortable soul that's whose only responsibility is their own life. If we want more responsibility, then we have to know that we're going to have less peace at times, but there's actually more peace available when I integrate the strength and the wisdom to be, to be able to create that peace instead of just wanting that peace to be there. So in other words, when I'm underslept, when she's underslept, when we're in the throes of 
Nova screaming and on the car ride home or even like trying to find a time to make love. And, you know, he's walking around the room. It's like, there's many, (laughs) there's many different times that are going to bring up my trigger response, my, my constriction. Then we know what the number one thing is, is like, if I can breathe, I can choose. It's written on my arm in Italian, Mm. right? So, so if I can breathe, I can choose. And it's my reminder some people say that I pronounce it wrong. I like how I pronounce you it. Did it I'm, well, I'm man. not perfect. Very musical. Yeah. But but that's it. I would say that's the not the cheat sheet, but that's like the operating code as a father is know that like with that extra responsibility is gonna is gonna be a deeper call into your soul for you to create the piece instead of you to somehow try to purchase the piece or do something from the outside instead of doing something from the inside. No shortcuts. There ain't no shortcuts. Oh, there is like nannies though. Get nannies and make sure you're on time schedules. Like sometimes I'll watch it. She'll go to yoga. There's a, there's a partnership that you have to be able to make deals with your partner Mm -hmm. on. Like, Hey, you, you do this, this day, I'll relieve you here. You relieve me there. It's like running a business, running a family is like running a business, but just with like, not with more heart. Cause I still run my business with heart, but there's, um, there's just this deep sacredness when it comes to running a family like a business that is not all mind. Right. It's, it's a lot more vulnerable and, and it's a lot more heart running a business like a sacred engine, I get, or running a family like a sacred engine. Sacred engine. That's a beautiful. Yeah, I just made that up. I love yeah, that. Sacred engine. I love that. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head and I love the, the, you know, the piece with the breath because, you know, if you don't do it on purpose, it happens to you. Yeah, And I, I just think, and Amelia and I have talked about this as well, it's like nobody that's super happily married and thriving got there on accident. Mm-mm. So there's this, you know, you use the example, like when you get home from work and your job sucks and you're, you know, do you really think you're going to have the will or the, you know, the energy to then invest in your children or your significant other, et cetera. Yeah. But I think there's also like that same logic here where it's like, you have to like really be thoughtful and not, you know, controlling your breath is obviously the piece that gives you the end, the fuel to then consciously navigate your way through a relationship and through parenting and make sure you're prioritizing, you know, your values as a parent during times when it gets insanely stressful. And I will say that like when both parents are, we do co-sleeping as well. And Amelia, Leon just turned two in May and she's still breastfeeding. Yeah. And it's, you know, for me, I'm starting to pressure her like, hey, (laughs) like, you know, it's just a lot on her body, you know, and the calories and the, you know, just the biology and the physiology of it. It's like, you got to put something back, you know, it's, um, but I think there's that, like, you know, the beauty in what you're saying is, you know, when you're underslept, when you're over, you know, overworked, when you're putting like more heart than you ever knew you had into your family and your business at the same time. It's like this, you know, obviously it's power versus force, but like mm-hmm. there's just so much intention there that needs to take place. What do you think your core values have been and have they changed since you became a father? Oh God, yes. Oh my God. Well, first of all, when I was single, my core value was how do I have as much pleasure as possible? Yeah. That was a terrible <laughs> core value for me. Yeah. And it's not to shame single people because I think that's, it's actually okay. Like going through phases in life where you just want to be cushy and comfortable is okay. As long as you don't get stuck there. Wait, do you listen to the, the 25 year old coach of coaches who coaches coaches in marketing 
uh, when they advise you on your new morning routine? No, but I'm sure it goes something like, if it feels good, do it. And if it doesn't feel good, don't do it, yeah. which is the biggest load of bullshit yeah. I've ever yeah. heard in my life. Yeah. But it's probably something like that. Yeah. Um, no, I. so the, my values used to be more about like number... Actually, my values have changed and they haven't because actually my number one value is my own my own fulfillment of my purpose in this world. That is my number one value. And the reason is, is because if I am not aligned with that value, if I'm not living that value, then I'm robbing my woman, my family, my friends, my community of me in that. And people can feel that. We can all feel when somebody is not on purpose. And, you know, it's cool. There's certain friendships that, you know, they can only go that deep. But if you really want to have deep, meaningful friendships and deep, meaningful lovemaking and deep, meaningful intimacy... I believe it's impossible to do that unless you are not living your purpose. And it doesn't mean that you have to be an entrepreneur or you have to grow a huge business. Like sometimes living your purpose means just being an exceptional father. Like we all know, like my brother is living his purpose. Like he is an exceptional father. He's, he's one of the most integrated, loving fathers I know. And to me, that is his purpose. It doesn't mean that we have to have some grand rising thing but that's my number one. And then my number two is how am I showing up in the world? Like what is my way of being? That's my second value. And that of course is tied to the Pentagon and the EI2 process I shared with you. Because if I'm showing up in that way, then not only am I in my purpose and that's emanating from me, then I'm also, I think you, you and I talked about this where when you're in someone's presence, you actually feel better and you feel more full than, mm. than depleted. Yeah. And I think that's number two. Um, the third value then would be, uh, intimacy and honesty with Carrie and with other people, right? Like that's, that's a big one. Um, and I think those are the big three. Like if I had to choose three, there's, there's others, yeah. but those are the most important ones. Um, something that surfaced a lot this year is all the things that I absorbed from my dad and my mom, my ways of being that I actually just want to give back to them like a gift. Like, Hey, thank you for the lessons that these gifts were for me. I'm going to give you these back now, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> little, little white lies here and there or little untruths or just, I think what we're all wanting is, is we're just wanting honesty at all times. Right. And we live in a world that doesn't always celebrate that honesty because honesty can be really crunchy, really uncomfortable. And it can take you to places that, cause the physical body to be very uncomfortable, especially the mind to be uncomfortable. But those are the top three. Um, I would say that, yeah, they definitely have shifted because for me it was used to be purpose, then pleasure, <laughs> then like um, service to others and exploration. I used to pride myself on just being an intellect. So those, the first one hasn't changed, but the other two have definitely changed. Yeah. Take me through your vision quest because I know you do this, is it once a year? Once a year. And so what is that yeah. like? Are you getting dropped? Are you like Bear grills in the woods? <laughs> Basically. Well, it was with a guy, um, both years, it's been with Tim Kokorin and Mark Tolofsen. And um, the company is called Purpose Mountain. It was actually an introduction from a, another podcast here, Aubrey. Okay. And I got introduced to Tim and I was really, it was before the birth of Nova and I wanted to have my rite of passage. Yep. Like you had mentioned about birth that for women, birth is the ultimate rite of passage. And that's been robbed from women in a lot of ways. And I think for men, we have also been robbed of our rite of passage. It used to be that um, in many tribes, the boys, 13-year-old, 14-year-old boys were sent out into the woods alone at night. 
and they had to fend and survive. Right. And we've lost that because in our society, everybody's a winner. Everybody gets a medal. Everybody's special. And it's like, yeah, we are all special. And if you're always special, then you never know how to be in extra special events. In other words, when extra special challenges come, you can't just lean on the fact that you're special. You need something more than that, some more experience. So, so with the Vision Quest, it's uh, 10 days in nature. This year it was in uh, the mountains east of Santa Barbara, um, Cuyama Valley. And okay. then the year before that it was in um, Idaho, in Sandpoint, Idaho. So three days of ego stripping, three days of sharing, three days of basically this. Hmm. So if y'all want this, you, you need to check out the Vision Quest. Yeah. And then it's done by two guides that are very experienced. I mean, there's like 30 plus years of wisdom between them running these quests over and over and over again. And the whole purpose of the quest is you honor the mystery. You honor the mystery of life. You honor the mystery of what you're here for. And you seek from nature, the quietness, the stillness, the beingness. So you can actually get whatever information inside of you that is being blocked by distractions in our world to come through. And so it's three days of that. Then you do four days of just water, <laughs> four days, just water, no human contact. You can't see, hear, or speak to any other human, no phone, no flashlight, no knife, no fire, just a sleeping bag, a tarp and a pad and four gallons of water. And that's it. And for those four days, you will go through a psychedelic experience to which you could not even imagine. I mean, I had full-blown conversations with my grandfather. He's been gone since 2002. Uh, it's surreal. Mm. It's surreal because we all can have deeply, deeply spiritual experiences as long as we're not putting ourselves in the lanes of distraction in life. And we all get to be just these wired reactive beings that pull us out of our spirituality. And also I will say this, we are, you and I are a product of a generation that, that we actually can afford the concept of spiritual growth. A, a lot of like our fathers and grandparents, they, they really didn't have that because they were just focused on survival. We are afforded, I'm afforded the opportunity because of what I do in the world to go and be in nature. You know, thank God Carrie supports me to be gone for 10 days from the family, right? So there's a lot on the line when you go out in nature by yourself for that long. And I mean, God, dude, I had so many tears. I mean, this this year specifically, um, I think you and I have a common bond, which is probably why we're sitting with each other. And it is a father wound. And I think a lot of men that are achievers in life, we have this wound. And in a way, it helps to project us and to, help, to make us successful. But I think we all get to a point where pain and hatred and compression is no longer sustainable. Love is the only sustainable fuel source in the universe. Nothing else, nothing else compares to it. And so in order for me to live loving and to be loving, part of going on the quest is actually looking at what are all the things that are making me not loving? What are the ways of being? What are the resentments that I was holding on to? And this year specifically, the first year I identified the resentments, I spent a year unpacking them. The second year, I had a, a ceremony where <sighs> I came down this mountain. I spent all day up on this ridge with my like blanket, with my Mexican blanket I had and I just wanted a higher perspective on things. I'm like, why, why do I strive so much? And like, what's this all about? And why do I have like health issues? And just getting really curious. That's the key, man. 
that's the key for all of our work is like, instead of me being angry or resentful or frustrated, can I just allow myself to get curious about why things are? That's powerful. And I got curious about things and I, I made amends with myself. I made amends with my father for all the mistakes he's made and I forgave him and I came down the mountain. I found this piece of uh, like a deer femur mm. and I, it was really old and I buried it in the ground and I smoothed it over and I made a little altar. And I said to my father, I said, you know, Dan, thank you for my life. You know, thank you. Thank you for my life, man. I really appreciate that. Thank you. And thank you for loving me in the best way that you possibly could. And your behavior is incredibly hurtful and I won't subject myself to your hurt. I won't do it. So if you want to be in my life, these are the ways in which we can operate from love, from kindness, from understanding. Otherwise I'm going to let you go now. So I, it's different when you forgive somebody from kindness rather than when you forgive somebody from the mind. Because the mind can intellectualize forgiveness. People can watch Oprah or Tony Robbins and be like, oh yeah, forgiveness is a gift I give to myself. Yeah, forgive. <laughs> but you, you haven't forgiven yet. That's, that's the honesty. So to actually forgive, there has to be a somatic experience. There has mm -hmm. to be like a, a purging of some sort. And so I came down there. I cried. I buried the bone. I, I buried him. And I said, like, I'm burying you with kindness. Thank you for my life. And I'm here. The door is always open. The door is always open. If you choose to be kind, it's always open, but I will not subject myself to unkind behavior. I just won't do it. And that was very freeing, right? I ended up having a conversation with my grandpa later that day where the sun was going down and I was talking to him about his son. I mean, this is no psychedelics at all. Mm -hmm. This is how fucking wild it gets out in nature, dude. Love that. And I, and my grandpa admitted his faults to me and I forgave him. And it was just like massive forgiveness. And then the big one, man, the, the last thing is that I just forgave myself. It's been a long unwinding journey of, of forgiving all the porn, all the women, all the drugs, all the things that I was using as coping strategies. It's been a really big unwinding. And so it came to this, this head out there in nature where I just was freed. But it wasn't like it was all of a sudden. It might have shown up all of a sudden but it was because of the backlog of 2015 until now, all the conversations. My podcast is my therapy. My friendships are my, th everything I do in life is therapeutic in some way, in some way. Otherwise I don't do it. Right. And so that was the ultimate gift from the quest. And, you know, and then the very, very last thing I'll share is when we go, you go back after the four days, you sit and you do three days of integration and dude, the looks, Joseph, the looks on people's faces compared to when they leave to when they come back is fucking monumental. There are people that look like 10 years younger, people that have actual physical vomiting, physical purging. Like it's, it's a ceremony of psychedelic proportions without any medicine being poured. And I will say that when I came back, the most beautiful thing that I was told in the circle is my guide Mark told me that, well, maybe maybe the, the greatest gift that your father could give you was actually to not be in your life. Maybe that's the greatest gift that he could give you. And I like flash back to this moment where I, I, I was like 13 or 14. And I remember I was at the table and my dad was like, well, sometimes son, people are so fucked up that they just don't know how to love. He said something like that. And I remember that. 
And it just made me have even more compassion for him. Because his dad didn't teach him anyways. Remember, dude, it's all wretched, no vomit. Everybody's teaching their children to show up like their children and so on and so forth. So that was powerful. I mean, I can feel it right now in my right. heart, okay. just like, <sighs> like I'm there at the quest. And this, right. this was, this was in April. Yeah. <laughs> this, is many, <laughs> this is many months ago. Yeah. And so sometimes the gifts that we unwrap with the courage of our heart, they, they might not always be what we want, but they are always, always what we need. Right. Always, every single time. So that was the quest. Gosh, man, that's powerful. Just landing it from um, one of the themes that has kind of come up for me as you've been sharing a lot is, and I think it's a great lesson for our audience that like so much of our either healing or progress or finding our purpose, we're always looking for the thing that we can add but basically, a lot of the themes of what you're saying is like, it's what we can strip away. It's like the noise we can take. It's the volumes we can turn down to yeah. see what is there. It's not about the thing that we can pile on top of our current self, right? It's this like, we need to actually find ways to uh, eliminate some of the distractions and the thoughts and the, and the routines and the beliefs so that we can actually get a true sense of ourselves, And then that's what we can actually work from. Right. That's right. But sometimes when you peel away all the stuff, you can be so raw that if you're not cautious, if you're actually cautious is the wrong word. Sometimes when you go through what you just talked about, where everything's stripped away, if you're not mindful about who you're around when you're in that vulnerable state, this happened to me when I left the Vipassana. I wasn't, you know, when you're done with the Vipassana, you're, yeah. you're wide open. Right. So I went into a grocery store and I could just feel the energy of people. Right. It was so surreal. So there has to be also like when we re-enter, when we, when we re-enter normal quote, quote society, which I believe as Krishnamurti says, it's, it's no measure of a healthy society if we're all sick in the mind, right. something like that. Y'all get what I'm saying? Um, there's, there's a part of us that has to be like tender to ourselves as we re-enter from that stripping. Because if we're not, it can actually re-traumatize us and, and we'll have to go back for more. So mm. re-entry into the world after any kind of ceremony or any deep work is just as important as the work itself. Yeah, I love that. I love that, man. Well, hey, this has been awesome, Josh. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing so much depth and wisdom and really heartfelt stories of your your quest and i really appreciate you being here man this was this was awesome this likewise was yes this is why podcasting is so great because it's bringing us back around the fire right so we can learn from each other again right this is why i think the long form is never going to go away because we were actually built for this yeah we were built for long form we're not built for all this tiktok and seven seconds and all this shit right it's actually the antithesis of what we're built for so i believe in nature. I believe in us. I believe that this is coming around. This is why people are paying attention and listening and watching. Thank you, brother. Hey, so Thank we'll you. link to uh, your breathwork program, breathwork.io. Breathwork.io. And when's this book coming? Well, that's going to be next year. Yeah. Yeah. Next I mean, year. I'm still fleshing it out. Okay. It's built, but as you know, any big project, especially a book, I've never written a book, but yeah. like this one, I'm really going to put my heart and soul into. I love that. Um, and yeah, dude, the podcast is called Wellness and Wisdom. You've been on it which was amazing. 
And um, you can get that at joshtrent.com forward slash podcast. So you can go there or you can go to breathwork.io for the Breathe Breath and Wellness program. I love it, man. And and obviously people know by now that I'm a big fan of your show and I think that you do tremendous work. And you recently, for people, because I know we kind of like talked a little bit about plant medicines on this show. You just did a deep dive with Ben. Yes. That I think is great for anyone that's considering entering that space because I do yeah. know that it's a... It's, it's everywhere right now. And it's, you know, there's a lot of people that, um, can't wait to, to tell you about it. And I think that, you know, there's, there's so much there and people really need to get educated before they start to like make big decisions like that that could impact agreed the rest of their lives. So I appreciate you doing that show with Ben. Thanks man. Yeah. All right, Josh. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Joseph. Cheers. Cheers guys. Thank you for being with us on the Wellness and Wisdom Podcast. Every link, resource, and wellness good you heard today can be found at your show notes page. Roll over to joshtrent.com forward slash podcast, and you just got an exceptional gift of wellness and wisdom. Don't let it go to waste. Don't be one of those people who hears a podcast, smiles, gets entertained, but puts down their phone and doesn't embody it doesn't use it. You can choose something different today. And I know you feel this to start a new journey. Head over to joshtrent.com forward slash M21 and get three free weeks of coaching from me to you directly in your inbox. Get your free morning 21 wellness guide, including your breathwork practice and guided journey from my heart to yours based on 20 years of my own experience. That's joshtrent.com forward slash M21. And if you're ready to dive deeper right now, join us in the wellness and wisdom community by enrolling rolling in our Breathe Breath and Wellness program over at breathwork.io. At breathwork.io, this is a three-week journey where you're going to save $150,000 and months of travel to learn the best of the best breathing science and spirit to apply into your life to eradicate stress using your breath. The world's not getting any easier, but you can be stronger. Join me on this three-week guided journey, including binaural beats, guided breathwork meditations, proper posture and muscle training, so you can learn how to use your breath as your ally for the rest of your life. No matter what comes your way, if you can breathe, you can choose. Use code PODCAST25 over at breathwork.io to save 25% off your Breathe Breath and Wellness three-week guided program to work directly with me at breathwork.io. Use code PODCAST25 to save 25% off. I cannot wait to see you in the program. Now, we can't have deeper awareness unless our physical body, our capsule, is clean, we're well-rested, and we're well-slept. The best way to do this is to actually start at the root level, to start at what goes in your mouth and what goes out of your butt. (laughs) Because we all poop, everybody poops. Here's what I'm talking about. When you eat clean foods, specifically micronutrients, When you consume micronutrients, your gut is happy, your brain is happy, and your digestive system is happy too. You can have a healthy digestion by eating whole foods, but let's be honest, we're in a hurry a lot in our lives, and it's so, so beneficial to have micronutrients on the go. This is why I have green juice crisp apple from Organifi. I take it in packets, I put it in my gym bag, I put it in the truck when we go camping, Wherever I need to go, I have my little packet of 
green juice. They just came out Organifi with this new flavor called crisp apple, which is freaking amazing. You're going to love it. It's perfectly tart. My mouth is kind of watering right now. Just talking to you about it. You can get your crisp apple on the go, these little packets, so you can feel good in your digestion and your belly, which amplifies out to taking care of your body. And when your body is happy, when your body is healthy, you can have a deeper connection to source, to God, to higher intelligence. It's true. When your body's supported, you can support the mind too. When the mind is supported, you can have a clearer access to what's unconscious, what's in there that needs to be let go of. Go over to joshtrent.com forward slash Organifi. Use the code wellnessforce. You get 20% off your entire order of all your crisp apple packets and anything else you want to throw in your cart. It's a huge savings. You will not find a bigger savings online. Joshtrend.com forward slash Organifi. Use the code wellnessforce. You get 20% off your entire order, which is amazing. And you get it delivered right to your home. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I am. One of the things I love to do is Synergy Stack. I've talked about this on a few episodes, but specifically when it comes to our gut health and our cognition, I love Synergy Stacking with our premier sponsors, products from Paleo Valley. The first thing that I do is I take what's called Neuro Effect. This is found over at joshtrent.com forward slash Paleo Valley. Neuro Effect actually improves the speed time in the way your synapses communicate to one another so you can have better verbal fluency and a pick-me-up without caffeine. Isn't that absolutely amazing? I love to synergy stack this with the turkey cranberry sticks that are also great for my gut-brain axis that give me better gut health to help me rise above dysbiosis with the organically raised and humanly processed turkey and beef both from Paleo Valley. You can synergy stack. You can do this. It does not have to be complicated. Pick up a bottle of Neuro Effect and your turkey cranberry orange turkey sticks. Throw in a couple beef sticks as well so you can be more energized without caffeine using the power of synergy stacking. JoshTrent.com forward slash Paleo Valley. Use the code Josh. You get 15% off. Now let's get back to the podcast. 